Hope that helped out, brother. We are thankful to God for His His mercy and His care and His blessings. And what a gift it is to think that we shall rise. And we will. Right? We will. It is great to see you here this uh, this morning. Those who are present, those who are online, we praise God for your attendance this morning. Let's please go together to God in a word of prayer. Our great Heavenly Father, we praise your holy divine name and thank you so very much for all that you've done and for all that you do, for your mercy and for your care and for your blessings and for your grace. We ask, Lord God, that you'll bless us this morning in our worship, that our worship will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight and in accordance to your will and your way. That, Lord God, we might honor you, taking our, wor- our minds away from worldly thought and keeping them focused only on you and on your word and your will and your way. Please help us to glorify your name, to lift Jesus up. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and thank thee. Be thy will. Amen. Church deception. We're going to Micah this morning because there is a a very important uh, task that the church has. And it's also very important to realize that not all churches are the same. And I know in our world of Christendom today, it's just easier to say, Everybody's a Christian, but brethren, that's not true. And we know that. What Satan is trying to do is take away our responsibility uh, as God's people and our desire to seek and save the lost. If everyone's already saved, then we have no role, no responsibility in seeking and saving the lost. Satan has deceived so many people, even in the churches all around. Today I want to talk about our responsibility, and the one church. In Micah, Micah laments because there is a disappearance. The righteous man is gone. And in chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says, Woe to those who scheme iniquity, who work out evil on their beds. When morning comes, they do it. For it is in the power of their hands. They covet fields and then seize them in houses And take them away. God's people. Chapter 3. Verse 1. And I said. Hear now. Heads of Jacob. And rulers of the house of Israel. Is it not for you. To know justice. You who hate good. And love evil. Who tear off their skin. From them and their flesh from their bones, and who eat the flesh of my people, strip off their skin from them, break their bones, and chop them up as the pot, and as meat in a kettle. Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. Instead, he will hide his face from them at that time, because they have practiced 
evil deeds. Verse 11. Here leaders pronounce judgment for a bribe. Excuse me, her leaders pronounce judgment for a bribe. Her priests instruct for a price. And her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord saying, Is not the Lord in our midst? Calamity will not come upon us. Think for just a moment that they hear God's people would think with all the, the wickedness is going on. Their, their leaders are, are, are pronouncing uh, judgment for a bribe. Uh, the false prophets are dividing for, for money. Uh, there's injustice, there's wickedness. And, and then they said, you know, but God's not going to do anything. Sometimes I think the church thinks the same thing. Well, you know, God isn't going to do anything. If there's injustice inside of the Lord's church, God isn't going to do anything. We're okay, right? Brethren, we are the shining light to a lost and dying world. God is going to do something. God has done something. God promises to these people, he says, here's what you're going to have. I'm going to bring you peace in the latter days. He was speaking of the church. In Micah 4, verses 1 and verse 2. And it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and the peoples will stream to it. And many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he may teach us about his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, the church. From Zion, the church would have its beginning. And we will find peace in these latter days. God's law would be proclaimed to the world. I, I don't I don't know. Turn to Isaiah, please, chapter two. I, I don't know that that we are continuing to teach God's word in spirit and in truth. Proclaiming God's law to a lost and dying world. Instead, it looks like the church has become like everybody else. And that's Satan's deception. So the world won't know where to go. Where do I go to find Jesus? Isaiah 2. Beginning at verse 1. The word which Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now will come about that in the last days... The mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So the church had its beginning in Jerusalem. The question this morning is, does it still exist? The obvious answer is yes. But let's go look at the beginning of the church, realizing that the world looked forward to the church. And let's be that church today that the world continually looks forward to, where they will find stability, uh, the exaltation of our great God, the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the whole counsel of the Word of God, that they might find Jesus, the everlasting God, who has made and created and brought to us this amazing church through His blood. Joel, please, chapter chapter 2. 
The messianic prophecy. See, the prophecies cannot be altered, nor can the prophecies be changed. And, and what it seems like is, is that people um, have desired to change God's message. You can't. It cannot be altered. It cannot be changed. Although I know in, in many places you, you'll find that, that there's a message being proclaimed, but it's, it's a false message. That's not the church. And, and, when, and when the church preaches the false message, brethren, it's our responsibility to stand for Jesus. It's our responsibility to seek and save the lost. But how can the lost be saved if we're not preaching the truth? Even though I know it stings sometimes. Stings all of us. Beginning with me. I always think it's funny. Uh, I've said this many times before. Um, that when you think of the preacher's sermon, and you go, yeah, the preacher preached a sermon. And you forget that I've heard the sermon because I've had to go over it and over it and over it. And I took out scriptures that, and I added some scriptures and removed some more. I get stung more than you do. But I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. So, so the first century was the beginning of the messianic age. The messianic age would be considered in the scripture as the last days. So Joel, in chapter 2, Joel began to speak about this in prophecy. In verse um, 28. And it will come about after this, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. And even in the male and the female servants... I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth. Blood, fire, columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape and the Lord has said, or as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Jerusalem. I ask you this morning, turn to Acts chapter 2, please. Those who are listening on online and in church, this is a confirmation for us. I ask, where did the church that you belong to begin? The answer must be Jerusalem. If it's not, that's the wrong church. I mean, God makes it clear. It's it's crystal clear throughout all the prophecies of the Scripture that God had a design for the church. We can't alter that. We cannot change that. Even if we want to save the whole world, we can't save anyone anyway. We cannot alter the plan, the divine plan of our great God. It's written in the scriptures. In Acts 2 and verse 14, the Bible says, But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. I want you to see that Joel talked about the, the heavens being shaken. That's kingdoms rising. 
And Peter says, this is exactly what Joel spoke of, that the church would begin in Jerusalem in these latter days. And it began. And they still exist today. In Hebrews chapter 1, God tells us that in the latter days, there's some very specific things that would happen. And one thing in particular that I want to bring out to you is that in Hebrews 1 and verse 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions, in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. The last days, we are living in the last days. Jesus, the messianic days, was the beginning of the last days. We're in it. The message must be declared and spoken through Jesus and his inspired word. First John, please, chapter 2. And they were considering, you know, are these the last days? And, and are, are there more signs about the last days? And in verse 18, John, by inspiration, says, Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have arisen. From this, we know that it is the last hour. So how do we know? Well, it's the last days because Antichrist, the Antichrists have come. The Antichrist is still here. There are still people teaching today that you can be saved in any way that you choose, regardless of what Jesus Christ says. Brethren, we have a very important and powerful mission. And if we allow Satan to to dismiss the mission from us, cause us to believe that there is no longer one church, cause us to have a lack of understanding about the one church, maybe that's why we're losing our children. They don't understand there's only one way you can be saved. Someone said, you know, we don't like preaching. We're going back to Micah for just a moment. We don't like preaching that, that old, that old gospel any longer, a preacher, because, um, you know, we've grown past it in these days. God's word doesn't change, brother. God's word doesn't change. And if you're in the saving business, meaning trying to be what Jesus wants us to be, gotta teach God's truth, right? We have to teach God's truth. Micah, as the exaltation of, of Mount Zion in Jerusalem, Jerusalem will fall. But God will restore Jerusalem. How will he do that? Through the church. Micah 4, again, verse 1 and 2. And it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and the peoples will stream to it. Notice it says peoples. That means many peoples from all nations all over the world. And many nations will come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us about his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. This is that old simple message that is repeated in the scripture over and over again. Teach us of God's greatness and salvation. Luke 24. 
Luke 24. Never let it be said that, you know, that a member of the Lord's church says to someone in a denomination who, who's a good person. This isn't about good people, is it? This isn't about that. This is not about who's my friend or not. This isn't about who's done more or, or better or, or, it's not about that. This isn't, the, we're not, no one, we're not questioning, again, like I said last week, the, the morality of, of, of other, of denominations, if you will. We're not questioning. We're not, we're not saying that we're better. We're not saying that, that, we're not saying anything about them personally. We're not saying that. What we're saying is the Bible can't be changed. And since the Word of God can't be changed, never let it be said that we call good people Christians when they're not. The Bible makes it clear how we become a Christian. And it's not by being a good person. Because Jesus said, call no man good. Look, if we're going to be God's people, we got to do it God's way. We cannot do it our own way. We just cannot do it our own way, brethren. We're, you know, we're losing members because we become like everybody else. Israel had the same problem. They said, God, give us a king to judge us like everybody else. We're not like everybody else. We got to be what God wants us to be. It's tough. Remember when Jesus taught the message in John chapter 6? And he made it clear. And after he taught the message, many people left. And Jesus looked at the apostles and says, you will not go away also, will you? And, and thank God Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Brother, there is no else to go. We're going to do it Jesus' way. And I know that's why we're all here. If we're going to do it Jesus' way, Let's do it Jesus' way. Let's do it. Let's not do it my way. Let's not do it the, the elders' way. Let's not do it the deacons' way. Let's not do it, you know, the members' way. Let's do what God wants us to do. Let's be the people that God has commanded for us to be. So, Jerusalem. The church began in Jerusalem. Everything's going to happen in Jerusalem. Luke 24 and verse 44. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That's the promise. That's the prophecy. Acts chapter 1. So here's what happened. God gave the promise, and they go to Jerusalem, as God said, and they're waiting for the promise. The promise was given to the apostles. I want to begin, if you will, Luke picks his narrative up in chapter 1, beginning at verse 1 of the book of Acts. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. 
until the day when he was taken up, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs and appeared to them all over a period of 40 days, speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you should be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jerusalem. So, so if you go back um, and, and research, uh, you're, you know those of you online, those who are not members of the of the Lord's Church, and you, you find out where your church began. If it's not Jerusalem, which I'll tell you, it's not. You're in the wrong church. That's church deception. That's Satan's mo. Right. So we, you know, we become lazy. We, you know, we're not go back and research that because, you know, it's just we're just gonna believe what the preacher says. Says it's not what God wants us to do. Jerusalem. So verse 12 of Acts chapter 1. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mountain called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. Jerusalem. Now the promise from the Father uh, was not to the 120 in the upper room. Just to the apostles. And there were 120 in the room, upper room, both male and female, if you will. Acts 1 and verse, uh, we'll begin at verse 14. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And at this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren, a gathering of about 120 persons was there together and said, and the message continues on as to what was being spoken. But the promise in Luke 24, in verse 49, was to the apostles. Not to, to the 120, including the mother of Jesus. Just the apostles. And when you look at Acts 1 in verse 26, the Bible says that now they're going to replace Judas. And they drew lots for them. And the lot fell to Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. And then as you continue reading in the chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost had come, they... That's the apostles, right? The apostles. They were gathered together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they, the apostles, were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire to shame themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues and as the Spirit was giving them utterance. How do you know it was the apostles? Well, we know there were women up there, right? We know there were 120 persons up there. And if you look all the way over to verse 14, the Bible says, but Peter, taking his stand with the 11, there wasn't 120 people prophesying and preaching that day. There were only the apostles, 12 apostles, who were preaching on that day, who had received the gift of the Holy Spirit, who had received the promise from the Father made to the apostles. Now Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. And he continues on in his message. So here's what, here's what Peter preaches. In the city of David, 
the prophecy is fulfilled. In Jerusalem, the prophecy is fulfilled. You can't change the prophecy, brother. Verse 5, Acts 2. Now they were living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and marveled, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and districts of Libya around Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongue speaking the mighty deeds of God. The prophecy was fulfilled in Jerusalem. And what was the message? To simplify the message, down to verse 22, Acts 2.22, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And God raised him up and putting an end to the agony of his death says it was impossible for him to be held by its power. Jesus rose. Not David. It's not talking about David. He goes on to explain, I'm not talking about David. I'm talking about Jesus. And because Jesus rose, church, we will rise. Because Jesus rose, Death will not hold us. Because Jesus rose, we can be saved. But only through Jesus. And only through the church. In verse 34. For it was not David who ascended into heaven. But he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ is Jesus whom you crucified. So Jesus is Lord. Now, they got the message. They got the message. Now what happens next? We're 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead. 40 days he appeared to people. Then there was that 10 day gap. And now we're 50 days in the church of Christ begins. It continues because God promised, we read this last week, it will never, ever end. You know what I'm sad about? Most of the members of the church of Christ today, I don't think, believe that anymore. You can't change the prophecy. The gates of Hades shall not Prevail against it. We're not just ordinary folk. And I know the church doesn't always... Look, let's just be honest. The church isn't necessarily what it's supposed to be today. Let's just be honest. You know, It's getting wrapped up in things it ought not be wrapped up in. Let's just be honest. But that doesn't change the church. It doesn't change what, what God has made it. 
Verse 37. Then when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And with many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received the word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. What were they added to? The church. Verse 47 Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Turn to Mark chapter 9. So the church of Christ began in A.D. 33 in Jerusalem. Jesus Christ being its founder and its only founder. And aren't you thankful that we only answer to Jesus? We don't have a headquarters. We don't, we don't have a, a, a governing body. You answer to Jesus. We're accountable to Jesus. Jesus spoke to a man about the church to get a perspective of the idea of, of when the church would be established. And he says to this man in Mark 9 and verse 1, he was saying to them, Truly, I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who shall not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Now, there's no one today about 2,000 years old, so it already must have come. That man was able to realize on the day of Pentecost in A.D. 33, the beginning of the kingdom of of God. You know, it's not until about 573 years later. And you, and you might say, you know, technically, about 300 and, and so years later, you know, the church started having some real big issues with Rome. I mean, they were already having a persecution problem. They were already being persecuted. But then Rome began to start interfe- interfering. Satan began to interfere in the Lord's body. We start having some issues, some divisions and problems. And you know, 573 years later, the first denomination appears. From that point forward, there have been denominations after denominations after denominations imitating, not duplicating what Christ has built. Church, if we don't understand these these first principles, if we don't if we don't have these right, how are we really gonna how are we gonna save people? You know, the, the last when you when you talk to folks uh, out in, in the world, um, you know they'll you know how they choose you know how we choose church. We people choose churches not not based on the Bible, not 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 much these days anymore. You know they have a good youth program. Really good, a really good youth program. And so for that reason, and, and that's why I'm not even going to the Church of Christ any longer because their youth program, you know, it, it's, it's not that good anymore any longer. So, so I go somewhere else. 
Or, or you, you know, this church, they have great gatherings and, and they and they do this. They have so much fun and, and you guys just don't have that much fun. So I'm just not really, I don't want to go there anymore. And you, you know why we stopped preaching the truth? You know why we stopped preaching the truth? Because we started saying, well, how are we going to get members in? How are we going to get, how are we going to grow? Oh, I know we need to get better programs and we need to have fun and we need to have, not that we don't have fun as Christians. We got, we got to find a way to bring people in. Listen, if Jesus doesn't bring them, we ought not be so arrogant to think that we can. If people aren't coming for God, then even if they do come, what's the point? This morning, if you're not here for Jesus, Why are you here? We do not have the authority to establish or build a church. Acts 4, please, and we'll close. We do not have the authority to build or establish a church, nor to change what God has established and put into order. We are to be servants submissive to God in complete and total subjection to God. Acts 4 and verse 12, the Bible says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There is still, I submit to you, only one way to be saved and no other. One must hear the word of God and believe it. One must be willing to repent, have godly sorrow in their hearts. One must be willing to confess the name of Jesus Christ before men. One must be willing to be baptized, immersed in water, that the old man might die and be resurrected anew. It hasn't changed. And then there's one more step. You've got to be faithful. Church, the lesson is yours. Let's go seek and save the lost. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for your time this morning.